right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matt. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right, and plants are more than just pretty to look at. Many have unique uses and fragrances. Tonight on the show, we are joined by New York City's Aromatica, oh my goodness, Amy, Anthony, to learn about growing aromatic plants and essential oils and how you can make them a dynamic part of your garden and landscape. So if you have a question for Amy about aromatic plants, her products or podcast, we'd love for you to share them with us by writing us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com. And just a little bit about Amy before she joins. Amy is a certified clinical aromatherapist and aromatic gardener who left her career in marketing research to pursue what is closest to her heart, working with plants. As a certified aromatherapist, aromatherapy educator, herbalist, gardener, certified master composter, and artisanal distiller, Amy is one of NYC's top aromatherapy practitioners. Host of the Essential Aromatica podcast, Amy also tends her own aromatic garden on the North Folk of Long Island, where she distills her unique products. Listed as one of America's most influential aromatherapists, Amy Anthony is currently the New York State Representative for the Alliance of International Aromatherapists and has her private practice called NYC Aromatica, which includes a one-on-one customized aromatherapy sessions, online class offerings, corporate consulting, and article writing. Welcome to the show, Amy. Wow, thank you. It's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. I know we always look back and go, was that really, when are you talking about me? No, we're well, we're so happy to have you. And after all the years of doing this podcast and garden radio show, we've never had this topic. So I'm very excited. Oh, yay. I'm excited to be here. This is so awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So is there anything else you that we missed that you want to share about NYC Aromatica before we jump into our questions? Well, not really, because believe it or not, I don't love talking about myself. But can I share? <laughs> I did something really cool this weekend that you might find really awesome. I love having Vitex. So I have a property out on the North Fork of Long Island, as mentioned, with my wonderful husband. So I spend time between Long Island, New York and Manhattan, New York. And we have several Vitex trees growing on our property, and they are very aromatic, and they have very lovely medicinal qualities. So this time of year is when I get to harvest the berries and distill them to obtain their gorgeous hydrosol, which I then incorporate into creams and sprays and other qualities to help with um, 
hormone balancing, but that's a loaded topic. Yeah, but I was that's just, a whole other show. I know. <laughs> I know, but it was so exciting. You should have smelled my back room with just the, the, the vapors of Vitex Agnes Castus, her berries just perfuming the air. It was oh. heady. Excellent. So I'm not familiar with Vitex, but I just Googled it. So it's a chaste tree. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in zone seven a, if I'm correct. Huh? Yeah. I'm in zone seven a, and I know Toronto, I forget what your zone is, but I think Vitex would grow nicely up in your parts. Yeah. We are a zone five B six a, depending on where you are in the GTA along the lake, the great lake. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, hydrosol, was it? Yeah. Or yeah. Okay. And then uh, and all these um, beautiful berries and plants and stuff that uh, are giving that beautiful scent. So just for our listeners, starting at the beginning, so what defines a plant as aromatic? So what is an aromatic plant, really? Um, That's and, a, yeah. Go ahead. I say it's a really cool question because I've had to think about this sometimes because we define aromatic plants in my world of aromatherapy as them having the volatile oils. And then you think about that because all plants have some kind of aroma, but like tomato, we don't distill that and obtain its oil. I get, I do get tomato seed oil. That's a really nice topical oil, like a olive oil type. But when we talk about aromatics, they're the things that you can crush and smell and they're so volatile that they just, that's their quality. They go in the air and they're amazingly fragrant. And there's a fine line with like, with aromatherapy, we, uh, flowers have a lot of fragrance, but they don't, we can't capture their essential oil through the distillation process. So it's this, literally you have to be this volatile oil that can withstand the the, the, the pressure and heat of distillation. I mean, that's, okay. yeah, yeah it's, that is interesting. Yeah. It's uh, kind of, uh, it's so specific, you know, when I think about it, because like I said, there's so many plants that have an aroma, like heliotrope. I have planted, uh, uh outside of my front door so I can get the aromas. Really? Um, we can't get the essential oil from that because those plants can't hold up to that process of being distilled. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so yeah. we can't capture the, the flower scent, for example. So do the essential oils, do they only come from other parts other than the flower or can the flower be involved or? That's a great question. So Ellie, uh, so the, the, it, the whole thing about aromatic plants as related to aromatherapy, because we work with the essential oils or the volatile oils we obtain from distillation, from steam distillation. Um, the flowers are so delicate. They're, those chemical components are so delicate, they get destroyed in the process. Mm. So there's very few flowers we can distill, like Elan Elan is one, uh, Rose, of course, but there's a chemistry there where they're so water soluble too, that they just don't want to come over in, in that distillation process. But what we could do is work and do like a, uh, create a herbal maceration or take like heliotrope and maybe put that in an, in an oil, like sunflower and try to eke out some of the aroma that way. Okay. So right. there's this like chemistry part of aromatherapy <laughs> that you can totally geek out on. Yeah. So yeah. are you looking for plants? That, so 
does it tend to then be plants and more of their foliage that is is helps you with that oil versus the flower yes. or yes okay thanks for bringing me that back on track because Matthew you did ask that and thanks Joanne um <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so essential oils can often be found. And I have some cast of characters here that we would be growing in our respective zones. Um, Monarda, we oh. get it for, actually from the flowers are so delicate, but you, when you touch Monarda, you get those oil glands on the stem and on the leaves. Okay. A lovage root. I had lovage growing this um, June and May and so, so tall. Oh my gosh, we, yes. we take the root and really? distill that. Okay. Um, chamomile. I said mm. the flowers. I, I lied. That's another flower. You could take Roman chamomile or German chamomile and just take that beautiful little head off. It's very time consuming. And we can get that. And we okay. save those for tea. Rosemary, the leaf. Um, mm -hmm. Geranium, the leaf. Goldenrod. I just lied to you so badly. Goldenrod, oh, okay. <laughs> you take the flowers. Goldenrod is such a gorgeous aromatic that I think we neglect. Uh, mm. We think it's so common. Yeah, It's a gorgeous plant for, I find it to be really helpful for calming the nervous system and the solar plexus. See, I could talk about this forever. Oh, that is great. <laughs> oh, that is great. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Goldenrod. Because yeah, so I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. And I don't think I was of, gonna say. think of goldenrod as fragrant either. I think of it as a pollinator. I think of it as a late summer plant that, you know, more people should put in the garden. And we're constantly having to tell people it's not making you sneeze. That's ragweed. And, you know, all of that stuff is what we talk about with uh, goldenrod. But I didn't realize that it was fragrant. Yes, it's very subtle and it has qualities similar to like that late summer hazy, lazy sun. And it's it has an affinity for the, um, I'd say the solar plexus, but also the urinary tract when taken as a tea. But this oh. is the cool thing, like calendula is an aromatic as well. And uh, we could distill that, but uh, see, it's fine lines here, but definitely one of our native aromatics is goldenrod and just... Mm. I'm so, of course you champion people to have goldenrod in the garden, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but really subtle. Like when you go and crush those flowers, you'll get kind of the, the um, resin and you'll get that subtle aroma. So if I was to share with you right now, it's smell vision right? <laughs> um, it's very subtle and very calming and very soothing. Okay. Excellent. Um, so do you think that those are the types of plants um, that we should encourage people to have in their garden just for if you're working in your garden, will they will they be able to smell those or? Yeah, yes, definitely. So I just mentioned I have clary sage here, which is absolutely lovely. Um, and yeah, like just enjoying the plant for who it is, but like the Vitex Agnus Castus, you can go and you even cut the branch, you smell it, you rub the leaf, you smell it. Rose, uh, rosemary, I just like to run my hands mm -hmm. along a plant oh. and then smell my hand. Mm -hmm. The Monarda, you could go, again, I'm hot on native plants. I'm trying mm -hmm. to like get more yes. and more native plants, mm -hmm. but um, you touch the Monarda leaf, you can make a tea out of the leaf and the stem but you can have a beautiful aromatic experience that way. And there's so many more we could talk about. Well, uh, yeah. Queen Anne's lace, you know. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that was going to be my next question. So 
um, just so many plants to talk about. What are some of the best, do you think, if if we were going to, you know, get our listeners into aromatic gardening, um, you know, what, what maybe are your maybe top three recommendations? Okay, so my way of answering that question is one thing about me being an aromatherapist is I need to know how the plants grow. What conditions do they like? How much neglect do they like? Mm -hmm. Not too lean soil. Um, And I want to understand the plant, but a lot of my adventures has to do with living with deer Mm. and groundhogs and Mm -hmm. rabbits. And, you know, a lot of those guys don't want to say hello to lavender. They don't want to say hello to oregano or oregano marjoram. Uh, someone I love is Santolina, green gray Santolina, which we can get the essential oil from. Okay. Um, rosemary, they leave them alone. So a lot of, uh, they, oh my gosh, you should have seen my fennel plants this year. I just had to <laughs> tame some of them. I just let them go to to high heaven and they were at least six feet tall. Mm. Uh, oh, beautiful. And guess who wasn't touching them? Yeah. You know, so a lot of it is out of necessity because those critters eat all the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and germander is another one that I love that's not worked with in aromatherapy, but nobody touches germander and it's just such a nice plant. Oh, interesting. Why don't people touch the germander for? The animals, sorry, the critters, they just, Oh, oh, oh they, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The critters just, and when I t- accidentally like lick my hand or do something or like touch my mouth when I'm trimming germander, it's just bitter. And you'll notice right. a lot of the aromatics, it's the smell that keeps critters away, but also there's bitterness to several, like in the aster family. Okay. Um, but okay. yeah, it's been a cool journey to seeing what these guys don't like to eat. And then mm-hmm. me as an aromatherapist, I need to know who these guys are, you know, what are they like? Where are they from? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you to live here? Or are you going to be miserable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we often because um, that's a popular question on the show about and even with our clients about um, rabbits and deer eating. And so um, we've learned that furry and fragrant are so things like cat mint and uh, lamb's yes. ear and na- like things that are very fragrant, um, you know, are one thing. And then anything that's got like a texture to it, they also don't want uh, any part of. So you would probably have a great, uh, you know, encyclopedia. And I know that's common in New York as well, dear. Yes. Yeah. We have a, because we're so overpopulated on Long mm-hmm. Island, just one house after house and the deer yeah. have nowhere to go and there's no natural predators anymore. Right. If there ever were. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Poor deer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know everybody's oh, hosta. Dear. So, you know, they're leaving the, they're eating the hosta, but they're leaving all of your fragrant plants alone. Um, yes. So for any of our listeners who may have an issue with deer, um, then this is a different purpose for the show, but they're, you know, considering aromatic plants. And I think even mm-hmm. if they are interspersed with some of your other showier plants, they can help discourage uh, deer and rabbits, right? Yeah. Like for instance, that wall, if I could send you a picture of the fennel, it's like, you can make an aromatic wall of stuff to then maybe have your other stuff behind it, depending on how crafty you can be. 
Yes. Yes. (laughs) And how much space you have to garden, but uh, (laughs) yes, but certainly, I mean, I think herbal uh, gardening with herbs has been huge, you know, in the pandemic as well, because they are, they tend to be a little bit easier and a little bit more readily available. And, and, um, and I think their fragrance and, and uses, you know, they're, they're a practical thing to grow really. Yeah. And uh, there's someone else I want to share, um, uh, Melissa or lemon balm, like she's a weed, you know, you plant one plant, she just keeps coming back year mm-hmm. after year. And that's someone that is beautiful as a tea. Like a lot of the aromatics are great for digestion, including goldenrod and um, working with the nervous system. So calm stomach, calm mind, like chamomile. Melissa's known to be really great for working with the anxious mind taken, you know, consistently as a tea. Uh, so it's, I just wanted to bring up Melissa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's great. <laughs> I didn't know that was Melissa's a botanical name, Matt. I was like, who's Melissa? <laughs> oh yeah. Lemon balm. Lemon oh, she's balm. so fun. Yeah. Now is lemon balm is a bit like mint in that it can kind of mm-hmm. take over. Yeah. She's bossy. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> bossy. So yeah. So and will they have you done? Um, do you do any of the planting in containers? Ooh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, over the years, yes. Okay. And I try to go in the ground. I do. I. I for years we did put a little fenced in area so I can have protect absolute protection from deer, um, and rabbits. But I do currently have rosemary for a few years in two pots. I have two bay laurel trees. They're mm-hmm. tiny that I bring into the garage. Mm-hmm. I have a, a dwarf myrtle tree, little, um, so not like Myr- Myrtus communis. So uh, tiny leaves. And who else is in a pot currently? Oh, I, of course I have sage in a pot mm-hmm. and I have some oregano in a pot. And how about some of the mints, which they, they pretty much thrive fine, right? Yeah, I did have spearmint in a pot. And then because um, I thought you would know this, I'm, I'm getting, I think, thripes or these little white guys. I think they're called thripes. I could be wrong. My spearmint was flagging, of course, during the hot summer. And then I had to cut it back. But of course, it came back in the fall. Like a lot of the plants will flag a little bit in that July heat. But I was growing spearmint to contain the, because the mints can be bossy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very much so. Very. I don't like to say aggressive. I like to say bossy. It is nice to say it that way. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) We might just have to steal that from you. Yes. (laughs) Please, please do. Uh, Um, Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was stuck on the thrips there for a second, for sure. Um, Yeah. Were they flying or were they little, like, little lines or were they moving or these little white guys they would just be on they're tiny little white um insects you could tell they're like little insects in white and i i maybe thripe is not the right word but i was i was sad that my spearmint was getting a little devoured but oh um that's just i learned i got some great advice down the road of you know always put your mints in pots And if you accidentally plant it in the ground, just be careful, you know, you'll be maintaining that patch for your whole life. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you are an avid gardener. 
Um, you were sharing with us your enjoyment of gardening. How tell some of the stories or some of the ways that you've used, um, or more ways that you've used your aromatic plants into your garden? Are you is it very structured? Is it mixed in with ornamentals? Is it very kind of like, um, I almost want to say very farmish in the way that you're just, you know, you've got planted of rose. Like, what experience and tips might you have there? Oh, that's a that's a question where I have to confess. So um, I, I love reading the magazine Fine Gardening. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the editors at one time was like, I'm the accidental gardener. It's like, oh, there's a bare space. Who can fit in there? I'm like, what's the season? Who's available? Who can I tuck in there? <laughs> uh, so I find I have great ideas, but then you'll see someone shows up because a lot of these aromatics are volunteers. Like they come back the mm-hmm. next year, several of them. So it's like, oh, look who showed up there. Well, I can't pull you out. So it's like, like I planted verbena bonariensis. Am I saying that right? And years ago, I just keep getting it every year. Um, Cleome, once you plant mm. Cleome, just keeps coming back. So I'm kind of the, the accidental, the, 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 laid, the laid back gardener. So I don't do farming Okay. You know, I might have a plan, but someone comes in, someone takes over. I'm still learning. So ah. it's haphazard, but you try to plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, are you growing for your own um, essential oils or? That, um, no, because it takes no. okay. so much plant right. material. It's a great yes. question. Like it takes at least, if not more, 250 pounds of flowering lavender tops to obtain a pound of oil. Mm, yeah. So I like to grow for observation. Often I won't cut back. So the if I see the pollinators are super happy, I just right. let it be, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. I'll harvest <laughs> for tea. And then I do harvest to obtain a hydrosol. So I generally will collect about a pound of plant material to two pounds. And that's okay. all I need to get my hydrosols for the year. So what does the hydrosols do as far as aromatherapy? What is this chemical yeah. or compound? So, so they, when we distill, we put, you know, the plant material into the retort or the chamber, we put it under pressure. We could inject steam in for a more, a more advanced still. I just have water sitting in mine. And then the magic happens and overcomes through the whole distillation process, your oil, and then that steam that turns back to water. So any of that chemistry that carried over the distillation process and got condensed and cooled down, we get like the, the greatest example I love is rose, rose water. Oh, you might say that in culinary stores, facial toners, so rose, that's where we get Drinks. it from. Rose water, yeah. exactly, is okay. part of the distillation process. So the hydrosols used to be included in pharmacopias and pharmacy like up into the 1940s here in the United States. Like lemon balm water, rose water. There's like, it's a lost art we forgot. It we're kind oh. of reclaiming. And I think it's the aromatherapists globally bringing this back. Okay. Uh, so the hydrosols are very dilute. They have, you can't say homeopathic, but they have dilute amounts of the more water-loving components that come over. 
So okay. the oils stay as their oils, but then the the components that can, they kind of like water a little bit will come over and you'll find that the hydrosols, I've done hydrosol tastings with students and other people several times of goldenrod. Many people will say they feel stoned. Really? really? With, with literally taking a cup of water, you know, like four ounces, six ounces, you do one, two, three sprays of goldenrod. That's it. You sip on it. You do that for like three minutes and sip and you just notice what happens. Wow. It's, it's cool. It's powerful. It's subtle. And it's, uh, it blows your mind. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> it sounds like literally, I don't know, Gary, do we need a warning no. on the show? No, <laughs> no but you know, no, that's, that's very interesting because I, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Amy realizes that cannabis is legal here. And this uh-huh. may be an alternative for a lot of a lot of people, you know, saving some money. So there you go. <laughs> I was I was being really honest and liberal there, but it's not like you feel stoned. You feel like really like chill and sedative, and like you want to like just chill out. And that's like goldenrod is that late summer hazy lazy. Right? Mm, yeah. So. I'm not encouraging people to do this. Like, please, uh, you have yes. to go to a reputable person. <laughs> but uh, the hydrosols were rediscovering again. And you could incorporate them into cooking food cocktails, beauty, uh, wellness care preparations like facial creams and stuff. Ah, okay. That kind of ties in with Steve's question. Um, he says, hello, Matt and Joanne. Let's cut to the chase. What aromatic essential oil will help me sleep? help. So if we go from relaxing and so I thought, well, that's kind of a little bit of a segue. (laughs) Yeah. So some of the classics we can grow in our gardens, depending, um, I don't know about your area of lavender does well, true lavender. I have Mm -hmm. problems on long Island because it's so humid, but, um, lavender Roman chamomile, it grows low on the ground. It'll help you go to sleep. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you look at the way the plant grows, it really helps you. But those are the two classics for sleep enhancement. Valerian root, which many people don't like the smell of, is very powerful. Mm-hmm. So you could even think of collecting uh, the Roman chamomile in your garden and lavender tops and making a pillow like a sachet and putting it on your pillow. Oh. If you decide to go and buy some, yeah, please, a dream pillow. You could buy some lovely essential oils and all you need, you could have like a sleep mist made or something, but one drop of lavender oil and one drop of Roman chamomile on a cotton pad, and you put that on your chest or by your, on your pillow, that will, will help you settle into sleep. It should, it might not work for everybody, right? but I've had great success. Um, and I'm really stressing this with essential oils. When you have that little bottle one drop is really all you need. There's many things. You could become irritated if you have too mm-hmm. much. It becomes so darn overwhelming. I'd really like to swear there, but I won't. Like, ah. <laughs> you only need a tiny, tiny bit. Oh, okay. And they're yes. expensive. They're so expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh. I was going to say, because I find lavender, I find lavender very overpowering. Um, we were recently, there was a booth recently at a flower market that Matt and I were at. And and I couldn't like go near the booth, like, you know, so I, I could see that. So <clears throat> there's some people that do get 
migraines from fragrance and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, my mother's very sensitive to fragrance. So, so you think it's just too much and, and just going lightly is, is better. Yeah. Less is more is a mantra that any good aromatherapist okay. should be sharing. Yeah. But uh, there's another one I want to share that we consider a weed that I've been really exploring um, is mugwort that we consider a weed. And I've had repeated success myself, my other people for dream work. If you want to enhance your dream recall, you could harvest the plant, the leaves, and maybe make a sleep pillow, like I said, or maybe if you want to work with lucid dreaming and uh, dream heightening, dream recall, you can think of incorporating, again, this is olfaction, one drop of mugworts. Mm -hmm. We're not taking it internally. We're not putting it on your body yet. We have to dilute to do that. But we could work with olfaction, with smell, and those molecules get into your system and they work with you. (laughs) Uh, So mugwort's another one to consider, even again, as an herbal preparation. Okay. Very cool. Well, as we reach the bottom of the hour, I'm going to jump in and just say um, thank you to everybody who is joining us here live this evening on Reality Radio 101. Thank you as well if you are at home or in the car on the way to work or at the office enjoying a downloaded version of the podcast. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests like Amy Anthony, who join us here on the show. Don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. And you can find us as well as lots of amazing past content on all your favorite podcast providers. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our many wonderful listeners. You can always write us here or any time of the week at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com or check out our websites. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca and you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So we are talking about lots of aromatherapeutic plants. Um, we've talked about some of Amy's favorites uh, that we can plant and use around the garden. Um, a lot of people are, we've got some questions coming in about um, some of more of the essential oil. So why don't we pick up there? Um, Sadie has uh, written in, and I think we kind of touched about this, uh, or you mentioned one, but uh, Sadie's written, hello, Joanne and Matt, are there essential oils that are actually used in food for flavoring? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> shaking her head and head. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there are. So Sadie, great question. Uh, this is Amy here. It's the whole flavor and fragrance industry is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think since the, I have to fact check this, since at least the mid 1800s when the chemistry was a big thing and people were really, uh, the, the global spice trade was really interesting back then. Let's not get into a political uh, conversation here, but 
<laughs> flavor and fragrance is huge. And that's why a lot of these aromatic plants are grown for clove oil and mouthwash. Peppermint, huge industry in North America for gum. You know, so the the flavor, flavor and fragrance industries are huge. And then like as aromatherapists, we would, uh, we get snobby. We want our oil specifically to be from plants that were harvested and distilled for therapeutic application okay. versus mm-hmm. like mass produced right. um, in, in a way. But my gosh, like fennel, clove, the thymes, uh, cedar, uh, excuse me, juniperus virginiana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's th- the list can go on. And there is, there's a regular, I'm going to get this wrong. There's a regulatory body that's huge. IFRA, the International Fragrance Something Association that sets limits on like the amount you can have in food, the amount of essential oils okay. you can have on in, in skin care topics. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's not on the top of my head mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Well, it's um, good to know that there's there are regulations that people are, you know, following yeah. some guidelines. So that's good to know. Yes, indeed. I hope um, I answered the question. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, and, and uh, Sadie, if Amy did, please uh, definitely write in and we can still talk about it. Jim has also written in, uh, hello, Joanne and Matthew. This topic is so interesting. I live in a cool climate most of the year here in Maine. Would I be able to grow all of these plants inside all year round in pots? Uh, I am in zone three. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, really, Jim, it depends on what plants you have. Um, Amy, have you, do you bring in any of your uh, aromatherapy plants in for the winter to use and harvest? So I do. That's that's a great question. And hello, uh, is it Jim in Maine? Yay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I bring my plants into overwinter. Uh, because I do spend time between New York City and Long Island, I'm not there to give the the plants full attention. Mm-hmm. But I know that okay. people can have success with thyme, you know, kind of the the shrubby guys of the mint family. So lavender, yeah, the woody ones. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, rosemary, um, and then you could try like the the classics like parsley and those guys in pots. But they need they need that sun. Like a lot of the a lot of the plants we work with in aromatherapy come from the the more equatorial climates mm-hmm. up into that temperate zone where we start to get in that umbilifera family, the lovage root, like I mentioned, fennel. So I think in Maine, you could probably have a long growing season for those guys in the APACE family or the the you know carrot, parsley, and those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think many of them, uh, with, with the exception of rosemary, Matt. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. That things like mint and and yeah. parsley, some of those would would actually overwinter. They don't necessarily need to be brought in. Yeah, exactly. There are still a lot of them that that will overwinter for us and then grow bigger uh, every year, Jim. And then just like Amy had said too, right? Because they come from an equatorial region and they have such large amounts of sun, uh, I think that tends to be the biggest challenge for us growing herbs, especially in cooler climates, is we just never have that intensity or that brightness of light. So then when we do end up growing these herbs, 
Um, more often than not, they're obviously for food reasons, um, but they're just so they just come and go. It's very cut and come again. And then you go buy some more mm-hmm. um, kind of thing because they never really last that long because we're just not providing them with those environmental conditions indoors. Um, that length of uh, light, that humidity, um, the water mm-hmm. that they need. Uh, so most people end up, you know, they start doing herbs in the in the fall and into the winter and then by midwinter, early spring, yeah. what it's called, it's over yeah. just because of that. So that's your biggest challenge. But um, yeah, definitely give it a try, uh, Jim, to see what you can you can bring in for sure. Um, I've done things like the parsley and some basils and some mints. Mm-hmm. And again, I've got them under grow lights and I grow them for as long as I can. And yeah, yeah. but I, but I do think, Jim, that many will stay be fine outside. Um, you know, rosemary is a huge, huge exception there, but, um, but maybe not for zone three and, and the humidity, like I think our dry coming into the house, the other thing is the lack of sun, but also the, our furnaces are on, our heaters are on, and that makes, you know, not the natural state for our, for the plants, you know, they need, they need different, uh, different growing uh, conditions. So that's where a bit of challenge can, can come in for sure. Um, for sure. So thank you. That was a good question. Um, So if people wanted something aromatic by the front door or something that they walk past and they brush past, um, Amy, do you have like a favorite one of those? Uh, Well, yes. And I could tell you what's, what's growing currently at at our house, uh, which I've had for a few years. So I have the germander um, mostly for the bees. I always plant sweet alyssum because the deer don't touch it. Um, yeah, I have heliotrope every year I try and someone eats it, but this year they've stayed away. And I did put like deer off, which is that, you know, terrible smelling stuff, but it's yeah. pretty natural at work. So I'm okay with it. Um, so heliotrope, I must have, uh, I love that aroma. And then I have bay laurel, which I will go and pluck off a leaf when I'm cooking. I've had rosemary for several years, uh, by the front door that and then myrtle is is another one that I've asked to live there those are just my babies right now yeah yeah (laughs) and I do overwinter I bring the pots into the garage um okay so there's so many I'm thinking about the the garden the whole landscape now and it's like there are just so many good friends uh, winter savory is another one that I always ask to grow and I've had had challenges with winter savory. Um, but it's another exciting aromatic. I think we've forgotten how to cook with, I think like oregano is like, I'm taking over and everyone's like, what happened to the winter savory? Uh, yeah, I yeah. can see that. Uh, uh, definitely. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think what, yeah, everybody or garlic, like some of the, you know, we've all kind of centered in a few things and not some of the other less known, but more, um, I don't want to say ancient, but more historical plants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like lavender, like there's so many different types of lavender and lavender could be challenging. Um, and I, you know, could I give you this like unwanted, like everyone just reach out beyond lavender, please. There's so many other friends (laughs) to meet. Ah, yes. Yes. Well, it's funny. Well, quick, cute little lavender story. So I designed a garden for a really good friend of mine who happens to live across the street and uh, in her grow. And I put two lavender plants in there and 
and um and she loved you know she loved the color and loved and they are still blooming i have a picture of you know october here it is october 24th and they still look amazing and she's so impressed but i said like are you cutting it are you bringing it in the house she's like oh no i can't stand the i can't stand the, the smell of it but she thinks it's beautiful and it certainly loves she seems to love her growing conditions so i thought that Excellent. was funny but i think it might be that it can be overpowering right yeah it yes it there's that's the thing if I could share about aromatherapy working with the therapeutic application of essential oils is if somebody doesn't like the smell of something and before we I was sharing lavender is proven to be very helpful for helping sleep but if you hate it don't torture the person if someone mm, told yeah. you it's good for that but you can't stand it don't beat yourself up there's mm. other botanicals to work with and I just mentioned a few of them mm -hmm. um so, yeah. And that's the thing is you can have a beautiful plant outside and mine's still blooming too. I see, uh, I have a nice set, that second bloom that happens. Yeah. I just love having the plants out for themselves and for the pollinators. So you have this gorgeous, this gorgeous plant offering itself up, you know, to insects. And there's that relationship happening. That's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it's beautiful nice. and so essential. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't even. Oil. Yeah. I'm, the, even I'm the queen of bad puns, so that <laughs> one wasn't getting past me. I love it. It is essential. <laughs> it yeah. is right. We need the pollinators. We need these, and that's the dance between the aromatics. Is they're beautiful for luring in a lot of insects. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's benefiting true. Because yeah, a lot of them would be. Aren't aren't they all? Uh, uh, pollinators um you know you offer um on like so you're a teacher you're uh have a consultant and you have online classes um and how do you considering it's like like us virtually smell there's no smell of vision so how do you um how do you do that like how do you um and what are people coming to you to learn uh so the way to answer that is I'm just obsessed with this stuff and sharing it. So I've uh, used to teach at a school here in New York that's that now closed, unfortunately. And I just have this love for sharing this information. So one thing I do and encourage people to do is, and I do this in live classes, go into your supermarket or out in your garden and make yourself a tea. And you could still get that same experience. The plant will still talk with you. You'll still get the messages from the plant, but maybe just not you know, like hitting you in the face. Mm. <laughs> so my online offerings uh, are more for that, like, hey, I want to know more about essential oils and I want to go okay. a little deeper. I want to learn how to make a cream. I do have a class on like making an herbal maceration or herbal infusion. Uh, but I also have writings I do. So I have like, I call them plant talks on plant profiles on uh, like, I have one on Monarda. I have to get it back up on my website, but I have one on Goldenrod. I have one on uh, Laurel and I do videos to go with that. So like, it's about meeting the plant and geeking out and having an appreciation for it and just immersing yourself in that. So great if you have the essential oil, but it's better like, could you you, could you go find the plant? Can you see it? Could you buy bay laurel leaves from your supermarket? Could you make yourself a gorgeous infusion and just stick your head over that pot and smell <laughs> the leaves? You know, so you could do this when you're cooking and make mm -hmm. a tea. So I kind of when uh, I answered your question in a roundabout way, but it's like, I just want to get the message out there and I'm not going to shut up about the plants. <laughs> and uh, 
I'm really passionate about like, hey, you know, goldenrod, how do you grow? What's happening? Let's let's like geek out about goldenrod and yeah. let's learn. So making a tea and like and harvesting the plants brilliant one of the best ways, I think. Okay. Nice. So if, as you go out and you make a tea, is it literally just as simple as getting near boiling water, putting some clean leaves in and just letting it distill for, you know, three to five minutes and then enjoying it type of thing? Yes. And more. <laughs> okay. So I highly recommend take, not even measuring, you know, like a, a little handful of chamomile flowers. You know, let's stick with a tablespoon of fresh chamomile flowers if you have that. Okay. And then not even near boiling, very, very warm water, because you don't want those aromatic volatile components to go away. Right, you put okay. a lid on and you let it steep for, you know, the five to seven minutes. Okay. Um, but for those delicate things, like lavender can be really obnoxious, but consider a cold infusion. So a lot of people geek out over cold brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do that for your aromatic herbs, like rose petals, and 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 um, in a like six hour cold infusion or overnight on your countertop in the fridge, so cooling in the summer, so soothing. Like you don't have to boil water; you just plan ahead and you sip, and it's just so refreshing. Like cold brew chamomile rose, oh, wow! I love it in the summer. Okay, yeah, nice. I love a nice rose tea. It's like one of my favorite. Uh, things I absolutely and there was a brand I don't even think they exist anymore but it was absolutely delicious Ooh, um, fun so now I'm wondering as you're talking about making teas is that something um, you can find on your website do you have tea recipes or is that maybe a whole new video series slash <laughs> blog thing you need to be doing <laughs> that's really kind of you I've done some Instagram like live things and I, I do, in some articles, I bring up tea making. Often in live classes, uh, I will offer tea because it's about connecting. To go back with 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 you, Matthew, like because uh, I saw this on your website, it's like we want to connect with nature. We want to connect with mm. the plant. So how can I really get to know the plant and understand it? And by making a tea is one thing. Uh, by the way, I had a blog post article. I have to make sure it's on my website about making tea. Okay. I'm going to go looking for it. <laughs> well, don't. My website literally was just relaunched today, all sparkly and new and gorgeous. Uh, so I, I can now put content up again. Um, so I'm going to make sure I have a my tea, solstice tea article up. Oh, that's nice. great. That's and we are talking tea gardening in a couple of weeks. That's why I'm looking for the book that yes. uh, a friend of ours, uh, you know, and so I'm like, where's that book? I can't find it. Um, put Ooh, my fingers cool. on it. Oh, I did find it. So yeah, so that's kind of an interesting, um, interesting thing that, uh, yeah, that and I don't think people think about that, you know, of everything we're doing with herbs and cooking with herbs and growing. There's probably a lot of plants that we grow and even myself included that I don't you don't end up using um, yeah. really for for all its to all its potential. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Can I give a plug for time? Time is vulgaris. So time can be super. Well, there's all the different varieties mm. or cultivars. Right. But if you even have common time. And you make a tea out of that with just under boiling, you know, don't, don't, you don't want to beat it up too much. So just simmer, take it off the simmer and then put the fresh thyme sprigs in. 
it will, I think, surprise most people and how flavorful and wonderful it is. And thyme is super antimicrobial. So if you find your, it's cold and flu season, and I'm not making medical claims here, I can't, Mm -hmm. but um, it could be very beneficial for helping to get the antimicrobial properties into your body. Maybe you combine that with ginger, which is so lovely as a tea, Mm -hmm. but time may surprise you to be a gorgeous tea uh, when prepared again in that more gentle way. Don't beat up your aromatics. Don't beat them up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Time to explore time, everyone. That's right. That's right. Yes. Your website is gorgeous, by the way. So I think that hopefully our listeners will uh, definitely uh, check out nycaromatica.com. And uh, and you have a podcast as well. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. Um, When it comes to like, so in your in your um, consulting, like, do you. you recommend, like, do you work with people to recommend, you know, if they want like alternatives, I don't want to call it alternative medicine, but is it, it's okay. you know, something that they're interested in and they want to know much like Steve who wanted to know about sleep. Is that something, you know, do people come to you with a particular issue and they want to try and, and heal it dip, uh, without drugs, for lack, of, lack, yeah. lack of a better word? Yeah, so definitely. Uh, so when I do one-on-one consultations, I only do them in person. I found that, you know, like you're saying, I wish we had smell vision because yes. you need to be with the person to see if they could, if they like the oil. Mm-hmm. Cause I could, like I said, I could tell you, this is wonderful. This might benefit you. And you're like, I can't stand it. Well, yeah. okay. We need to, to do something else, something else, choose different oils. When I work one-on-one in person, I will will go through a, it's like a 90 minute session. We'll do a conversation. I'll select oils. We'll talk about your needs. And then I make you a custom product. When I do okay. corporate consulting, I've blended for people for commercial like product lines. And I do like workshops at corporations for wellness and like Aroma 101. What I would encourage people to do, and uh, I meant, you mentioned I am part of the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. And there's another place called the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. Uh, Check out those websites to find local aromatherapists, to find like aromatherapy safety guidelines. Mm. Um, There's also, I'm going to get it wrong, the International Federation of uh, Aromatherapists. I'm getting that right. Uh, That's based in the UK. But I just want to make it clear. I find myself in this role that education is really important. So the more we empower ourselves and go to places like Naha.org or the AIA, Alliance of International Aromatherapists, because if you do AIA, it takes you to an architectural website. <laughs> but there, there's these great resources out there that are like serving the better interest for the general good about right. uh, safety finding an aromatherapist, giving you hints and tips. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are people like me that, again, I like to see people in person. Okay. Um, But I'm a big proponent, again, Naha.org, the Alliance Alliance Aromatherapists, I believe it is, um, are great resources. Because there's like, I could go to a Walmart and see oils and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't. I I was just going to say, yeah, not all oils are... Right. They're not all created equal, like like anything else. You get what you pay for. But there should be some some thought to that. Right. Exactly. 
so the more we know and the more we know there's places like these uh, alliances and organizations, there are people that, because um, essential oils are not regulated here in the U.S. I don't think they are in Canada either. I think so either. So it's the Wild West and mm-hmm. uh, there's safety concerns like about this stuff. And that's uh, could be another conversation. But um, yeah, so my website is great if you want to geek out with plants, uh, Aroma 101 and uh, kind of start geeking out with me. But, you know, for a nice intro and some resources, I definitely check out NAHA and the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. Excellent. Um, That's great, because I think that is really important to know that. um, And I love that you are blending them as well, because it's not, you know, even though you mentioned, you know, individual ones, but sometimes it's in the it's in the blend, right? It's in the in the recipe. Yay. Can I share with you something that I just did this week? Absolutely. Like, I'm like, please don't say no. So I was making split, I was making split pea soup at a place Ooh. I volunteer at every Thursday. And I put some clove in. I always put bag and thyme and I put a little clove. And I was like, Amy, you don't work with clove a lot. So I went home after my my volunteer work and I sat with clove and smelled it. And I had a real connection with it. I was getting it in the gut. It was calming and settling. And then I was like, you must blend with clove, Amy. So to temper it down a little bit and come up with this like kind of confidence, solar plexus supporting um, blend because aromatherapy is mind body. It works with the nervous system and we can work with physical ailments. Uh, I blended clove with vetiver. Vetiver is used, work with in perfumery a lot. It's very cooling. Myrrh, rose. And our friend Palma Rosa, Symbopogon Martinii, she's related. I always say she and he, uh, related I to the same. Grass. Matt, Matt totally yeah. does the same. It's hilarious. All the time. <laughs> uh, so I made this blend to really support like your confidence in supporting uh, stability in life. And that was done on my knowledge and intuition. But um, now just smelling it. Yeah, you're blending. When we blend as an aromatherapist, we're blending to support sleep. We like build a blend versus just going to a single oil. So your, your neighbor who you built that designed that beautiful garden, I could put lavender in a blend and she might never know it. Ah, yeah. Interesting. And the therapeutic value will be there, but I'm working with this other palette of oils to, you know, to support that sleep or anti-anxiety. Okay. Yeah, See, I can't even smell the clove in here, but it's just, there's a little kiss of warmth. Okay. What would be, like, I'm going to ask for myself on anti-anxiety, like, is there something, is that a connection, something that helps you with sleep, but also help with anxiety or is it? Yes. Yes. A resounding yes. The oils, because of their complex chemistry, uh, they do work with our nervous system and like GABA receptors, dopamine receptors, uh, it, so lavender could be really calming to the nervous system, a little more sedative. Uh, but yes, so like Melissa, we talked about before lemon balm is kind of proven. There's there's evidence that shows that Melissa can be incredibly calming and almost a little sedative if taken, you know, uh, no, just a little bit actually could be a little sedative. So okay. essential oils uh, are multivalent. They, they touch many target points and touch us humans in many ways. 
Cool. I could, yeah. I could go on like the the, I, the, flat, the the aromatics evolved with insects. So insects and flowers and these aromatic components have evolved over time. And there's really great books. I have a bunch of books here of how these aromatics work on the nervous systems of insects. Right. And then we're oh. much bigger than the insects. So what can paralyze an insect will not paralyze us. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. It's there's some really cool stuff out there. Okay. Um, so yeah, the professional wise, I mean, people can't really make um, essential oils themselves, right? But it's going yeah. to look for quality, you know, making sure people are checking out quality products. Yes. Good. Yeah. And um, I, this is not fair to do this to people, but I, I remain independent and I never advocate for any brand, but, you know, I'm willing to, to share some brands out there that um, are, you could go and buy pre-made blends and they, okay. they have a good reputation. So, but I do make a commitment to being independent and not being brand loyal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that would be great to still have, uh, know a few things that you, a few uh, lines that you trust. Yeah. Places that I, I would not, you know, shirk at being like, oh, don't go there. Uh, so they're a Canadian company is, uh, based in, I think the West coast aromatics international is someone you could go to. And I believe they are West coast. Okay. Um, well, I think I missed said that new directions aromatics is the one I know that's based in Canada. Okay. Um, and they have an array of things to, cause aromatherapists, we work with many things, not just the essential oils, cause we'll make a preparation for somebody. Um, so there's two I'll, I'll give you, and there's uh, one that's based in France called Cron Arome that you, you might see in specialty stores. And if you find yourself really interested, you would, uh, your fabulous listeners, go to your health food store. They, they will have some oils that I would trust. I don't care if I sound snobby. I would trust more than going to Target or, you know, Walmart. Or, mm-hmm. you know, your, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you would maybe some people wouldn't think of the health food store, but that is a great that is a great suggestion. Um, perfect. Is there anything else as we wrap up quickly? Unfortunately, Amy, this has been such a great show, and I hope we can do it again. Is there anything else you would like or promote? Uh, you know, promote your website or any anything else uh, you're doing right now that you would like our listeners to to know about? Oh, thanks for asking. I just I I love doing my plant talk articles and videos, so I love. Go check out nycaromatica.com. You could see me like sitting next to my bay laurel plant and reading you a poem. Because uh, <laughs> that's the way I teach. But yeah, just check out my plant talk articles. Check out my online courses. And um, again, I'm really happy. I'm flattered to be here and spreading awareness for the aromatics. The aromatics. So thank you very much. This is wonderful. Um, so yeah, thank you again, everybody for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it as much as uh, Matt and I did. Um, and thank you, uh, for joining us down the garden path. Thank you for listening to down the garden path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew dressing right here on reality radio 101.